For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Believe Sports Biz, Sports Media. He's Tom Hoforth. I am Fred Wallen. Tom, of course, writes for the Sports Business Journal, LA Business Journal. I am Fred, and you can email us at uh, sportsfred at aol.com, sportsfred at aol.com. And we do our thing uh, Every week we talk about, uh, obviously, business in Southern California, sports business in Southern California, and really goes nationally. Before we talk about lack of college football and whatever, I got a question for you. Are, are you ready, Tom Hoforth? Um, I'm trying to be ready. I'm usually ready. What are the. Okay, so we're 20 something games into the season for the Dodgers. What do you think the odds would be going into the season that their three power hitting lefty sluggers? would all be below the Mendoza line simultaneously. What do you think the odds might have been if some broker or some bookie may have taken your bet on something like that? Well, I would say in general, hitters are behind pitchers right at this point, but then you look at Charlie Blackman with the, uh, <laughs> with the Rockies, who's hitting 500, which is insane. Blackman has had more three-hit games this year than the Cardinals have even played games, to tell you the truth. So um, I, I think... I was listening to Hershiser describe this a little bit on the Dodgers broadcast, is that the hitters can't have extra batting practice like they used to do. You know, you can't come to the park early and get that extra work in. So the pitchers, for whatever, better or worse, are on top of their game. You're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, like the Dodgers had last night, a lot of five-pitcher shutout, combined shutouts. My gripe with the Dodgers so far this year is why Mookie Betts is not hitting leadoff no matter who's pitching. And the fact that they put him in the number two hole behind Jock Peterson and his paltry 180-whatever average, you know, and, and <laughs> nine strikeouts a game is just so infuriating at a point where Betts is the one who sets the table, who starts the, you know, the energy. And it just seems like if you're coming down to the last inning and you've got your eight, nine, and number one batters coming up, Betts has just got to be sitting there going, there's no way I'm even going to come up. I mean, it, 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 it makes no sense to me, and, and Dave Roberts' explanation in the L.A. Times today made even less sense to me when he was trying to explain it. On Thursday night, folks, and we're taping this about 4.20 on Thursday uh, uh, this week. Uh, what's the date? The 13th today? Yeah, the 13th today of August uh, in it's 2020. March 115th. Uh, 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 Peterson is hitting 7th. So you're getting your way today anyways, tonight anyways. You know, I, I play fantasy. And I keep waiting for Peterson and Bellinger and Muncie all to hit home runs on the same night. I could have a long wait, could I not? No, I think they all could hit home runs on the same night, but that would be the only three hits the team would get that night. And then <laughs> he, he would lose the game 6-3. to three. But, um, you know, I, whether they settle in again, I mean, it's an interesting series against the Angels. It's finally, you know, the Dodgers and Angels should play each other 12 times a season. I don't know why they, you know, limit it to just – this meager interleague thing, but, you know, in this case, um, you get to see, you know, head-to-head the two L.A. teams, just like they want to see New York and Chicago. So 
I mean, for that matter of fact, I think the Dodgers and Yankees should play a series every year, but that's another whole geographic mess this year. But um, your your wish to get three homers in the game could come true, but I think it would be a, kind of a optical illusion about success and how you measure a, a team victory that year. Everybody I know just about, uh, so I'm out of town, is either a Boston Red Sox fan or, a, believe it or not, a Pittsburgh Pirate fan as far as baseball is concerned. Uh you know, we talk about the Dodgers' lack of hitting, and they're still over 500. What about that Red Sox pitching staff? I mean, they've had injuries. They trade away David Price. Porcello's not all that good, but they move him to the Mets. Uh, and now they've got injury upon injury. And uh, as we, uh, again, doing this show at 422, Tampa's only scored 16 so far in the eighth inning against the Red Sox at Fenway <laughs> this afternoon. Any comments about the Red, Red Sox pitching? I'm more impressed with the Marlins even fielding a team and keep winning. I mean, especially when Mattingly probably doesn't even know how to spell the guy's name he's putting on the lineup card at this point. I mean, the whole thing with baseball is it seems like I, I read somewhere that it, it this feels like a, a, a beer league where you're just making up rules as you go along. You know, now we're going to have seven inning doubleheaders. Now maybe the Cardinals won't play a full season, but eh, we'll just figure on win percentage. That'll get them in. And we're bringing up players from all over the place. It's it's this, it's this thing that's on the fly that you can't predict day-to-day or even prepare day-to-day because the team you're going to play next week may have COVID, so they'll send you to a different city instead to play another team whose opponent is also you know, COVID-stricken. And at least in Major League Baseball is finally putting um, officials and police you know, on team hotels not to let guys sneak out so like the Cleveland Indians realize that they had players sneaking out, and you can't do that stuff, and teammates have to call them out. So... I think recently the Dodgers and Justin Turner kind of laid the law down, and, you know, this is what we got to do if we're going to stick together. Um, and, I mean, would you even say at the end of the season whoever wins the World Series is a world champion? It just seems so bizarre to even claim that title for anybody. Well, let me throw you this. You mentioned uh, uh, 500 hitters right now, okay? Bottom right. line is, yeah, okay. Uh, so what if somebody hits a 410 this year? Is that going to be the all-time record? I mean, the the, the bottom line is uh, over 60 games versus 154, and now 162. I mean, 154, 162 at least is close. But now we're talking 60. Uh, records are going to are, are going to mean something, or they're not. What if somebody no, throws I, a, a seven-inning no-hitter? Is that going to go in the book as a no-hitter? Or like, I, I I'm not sure. What do you think? I don't know because it seems to me like it's it's the whole season is such a, a farcical. Uh, exhibition of whatever we're trying to do so any stat is going to look bizarre and it kind of reminds me again of the 1981 season tap and there was a strike they didn't even have the best record in the national league when the season was over it was the cincinnati reds but the reds playing the best wins over two halves of seasons that didn't matter so that whole season was an aberration and that's you know a dunder dodger world series but it's um you know in the whatever the record book's you know, due to chronicle this thing, it'll have to be almost with one of those little smiley faces and emojis just because it makes no sense. All right, at what point, and it's got to be soon, does Blake Trinan become the closer and Kenley Jansen become a middle reliever? It's going to happen. Uh, it's got to happen. So when is it going to happen? Um, well, maybe it just depends on need and, you know, productivity and, and uh, durability because at some point you figure Jansen is, is going to just kind of run out of gas and you got to go with your hot hand unless 
your Dave Roberts taking orders from the front office who says, you know, this is what this lineup is. This is the guys you send in to pitch. And, you know, it seems like pitching is, is what's going to win games this year. And, and it, again, surprising to me that they wouldn't let Tony Gosselin at least get one more out in the fifth inning last night so he could at least get the win. He pitches All these guys pitch four and two-third innings. And, you know, against the, with the rules, you've got to pitch five innings as a starter. So one guy comes in and vultures a win. I mean, like, like people don't even value wins anymore anyway because of that thing. But you don't even see starting pitchers go more than four or five innings anymore. So it's, 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 every game seems to be a bullpen by committee. And, and whoever is on the mound at the end of the game not necessarily is the guy that you would even consider a closer anymore because I think closers come in in situations where you want to stop the heart of the order, whether it's the seventh or eighth inning, and then just kind of clean up at the end. So. I don't get strategy as much as I used to. It's not even fun to play along with strategy because it's so nerve-wracking and frustrating as to what decisions are made and for what reasons and what numerical thing is behind it. So it, it, baseball, a lot of the fun has been taken out of baseball for me, and watching it now is more of a like watching a chess match, which isn't very fun or, or interesting, but you just go, yeah, okay. You, know, you try to follow along, but it's like, Someone give me a book on how to follow this game because I'm not understanding how it was when I grew up. All right, one more comment about the Dodgers, and we'll go to college football, lack thereof. Um, you mentioned Tony Gosselin. Now, I'm a pretty good scout, to Tom Holforth, and uh, I saw him hit a couple of times last season. If yeah. we get rid of the DH in the National League next year or the year after, whenever this uh, pandemic leaves us, uh, he's a darn good hitter. So uh, he could even be used as a pinch hitter if we go back to 25 guys in the near future. That's off of my watching him hit only two or three times last year. I don't know if you watched him that closely in the batter's box, but uh, this guy can hit. So uh, he may only go four and two-thirds on Wednesday. But at some point in his Dodger career, he's going to get a few base hits. That is Fred's thought. Folks, remember this, you know, three years from now when Fred's uh, underground. Uh, all right, uh, you can uh, email us, sportsfred at AOL.com, sportsfred at AOL.com. You knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. Everybody was stalling, the Big Ten, the Pac-12. And now we know no college football in the Big Ten, uh, the Pac-12. And I'm going to tell you something. If one of the other three conferences stands alone or two of the other conferences stand alone, or even if three of the other conferences stand alone against the two, and God forbid if something happens to a kid, a heart ailment or a death, it's unforgivable. It's it, it's it may be the I don't know what the end of sports, but it's certainly the end of sports for a period of time. And they're trying to prove how tough they are. Right. You can't do that. You can't have greed overcome health, and yet that's what the only reason that these conferences would be going in that direction. Your thoughts? It's a very regional decision, and the two smartest regions that have the schools with the best medical facilities, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, are smart enough to know that have their advisors warn them that this isn't worth the risk. And then you think about the SEC, which is all full of teams in you know, the South, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Of course they want to play, and of course they're being told by the leader of the free world that it's okay to play. <laughs> And, and every coach there is sort of playing, is kowtowing to Trump in, in, some way, in ways that I cannot understand. But that is just the freaking mentality of where that is coming from. And then the Big 12 as well thinks that they can play, again, a Texas, Oklahoma kind of thing. And then you get poor Nebraska sitting right in the middle of everything, just bemoaning the fact that the Big Ten shut down. Why don't they just go independent? Why don't they go back to the Big 8, Big 12? 
and play a season of games with them. But these are the guys that just love to roll the dice and crapshoot for you know for players' lives. And I and ultimately, yeah, it's like the school that that elementary school or high school in Georgia that opened, and you know the picture of all the kids in the hallway. Well, of course, thirty of them came down with COVID the next within the next week because that's just how it is. And until I guess you know somebody who's had it, until you read a column like Bill Plaschke wrote in today's LA Times explaining how he had it and it, and it's not something to mess with, you know, you you've got to feel this gut punch somewhere, and and hopefully it's not at the life at the cost of a life of a, a student who seems to be. You know, football already is one of those sports that is dwindling in population participation because of the injuries, but it's so big in the South that, you know, they're, they're willing to overlook that, and I think they're willing to overlook this risk as well. It's just another thing that, you know, is that, again, we ask black players in the South, especially, hey, you're okay to play, you know, come and entertain us. And that is just it's such a racist sort of idea that perpetuates and, and keeps on going that, you know, it, it shouldn't be a case of, of – putting any human being's life on the line. And that's what it seems like these colleges keep doing because that is their livelihood. That's what brings them money. That's what brings them recognition. Without football, the SEC schools are pretty pretty much dormant. I mean, why even go to one of those schools for an academic education? Because you can't. It's, it, there's no lure to even going there. And this is all they have. So I guess, you know, desperate people do desperate things, and that's what it kind of looks like. All right, so you're saying basically that you believe that at least one of these three conferences will play their season. It seems like they will because they think that they can power through it. And it, it seems like the NFL is on that same path. And, um, you know, the NFL maybe can control it a little more. But um, it, it, as long as you can put games on television and, and honor TV contracts that bring in income, that's what it seems to be their focus is. And, and uh, it's such a short-sighted thing, but that's what um, at least the Pac-12 and Big Ten have, have a little bit uh, more intelligent decision-making processes. He's Tom Hoforth. I'm Fred Wallen. You can uh, email us at sportsfred at AOL.com. This is Believe Sports Business Sports Media. Okay, have you seen Hard Knocks? It started Tuesday night on HBO, and i got to be blunt with you. Uh, I'm sort of bored by the whole thing. I mean, I was a little bit surprised that Anthony Lynn admitted that he had it. because I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised, but, I mean, I didn't think uh, that was going to come up uh, in the hour. But uh, any thoughts about your first, uh, the first of four performances on Hard Knocks by the Rams and the Chargers? Well, it's good. It's such an odd thing to watch anyway because they know they really can't focus on two teams in L.A. because they have to focus on the whole league. And there's going to be no exhibition games, so this thing loses a lot of drama on a week-to-week basis because you're not having roster cuts based on performances and having all these exhibition games you know, be as a measurement of, of talent and roster. And I think the whole I, I think eventually you're going to find a player that comes down comes up with COVID and you know how are they going to handle it? And I think that might not be something that they're ready to, to do yet. I mean, I'm sure they've thought about it, but I think that's where the cameras are going to really say, hey, we're seeing this live or at least, you know, within a week of, of what has actually happened and how people are talking about it behind the scenes conversations. So I think as this series go on, it will be, I think, more and more dramatic as coaches and players wrestle with what are we going to do? How are we going to get prepared? And I think that that is, you know, for as much as I think that the, the program has kind of jumped the shark on, you know, revealing anything, this is kind of an interesting insight on how a league as an entirety is trying to deal with a pandemic that you normally don't get to see or get to hear because of the distance we now have as, as reporters and doing Zoom calls all the time with, with coaches and players. This is really good access, and I, I can only imagine it's going to ramp up as the weeks go on. 
All right. Uh, I've got my USA Today Sports Weekly in front of me. Uh, where do you think they've got the Chargers and the Rams? Uh, just, uh, uh, you know, from your perspective, where do you think they should have the Chargers and the Rams among the uh, 32 clubs in the National Football League? Oh, you know, right in the middle. I mean, I don't see them any doing anything great or anything poor. I mean, I just see them as nine and seven teams. All right, what if I told you that uh, they were listed, the Chargers, the 22nd best team, and the Rams, the 25th best team? <laughs> well, well, that's even less than I gave them credit for. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, again, who's playing? What are their motivations? What are, the, what are the New England Patriots trying to do, tank a season, you know? I guess at the end of it, you just sort of it, – it, it's really hard to figure out. To me, it's like betting on baseball exhibition games. There's just no way you even know what the outcome's going to be based on who's playing and everything. So, you know, why not? I mean, it's, um, it, it's such a, a roll of the dice at this point. I, I, could, I, guess, I guess you could justify ranking any team anywhere at this point. Uh, okay, no fans at SoFi. Uh, the latest number of construction workers who have come down – positive with the virus 75 that's insane any comments that's insane <laughs> like yes that's, that's your comment when i was talking to kevin demoff the other day about the story i'm doing for the la business journal that's coming out on monday he basically says yeah our first game could be sunday night football against dallas you know in the first week of the season and that's the first time anybody sees the stadium and i and he says and the stadium is pretty close to being done i don't i'm surprised it's even that close based on all the things that are tripping them up. But the fact that you're not playing before fans has got to be the, the sort of the baseline for everything. Because now, I mean, if you, you got the Kentucky Derby coming up September 5th. They've already announced they're going to let 23,000 people in. And that's 14% of their 170 capacity, 170,000. That's insane to start with, to, to think that 23,000 people are going to be at this event. And that, especially when the Indy 500 says they're going to do a, a race coming up with no fans. I mean, you're already going to see the Masters with no fans, the U.S. Opens, uh, tennis and golf. Uh, the PGA has just held a championship with no fans. I mean, if you're going to do it with no fans, that seems to be a, a, a decent format to do it with because players and even officials are not coming down with this virus that isn't going away based on the latest charts. So, um, I, I, again, as the NFL season comes closer and closer, what are we, four weeks away, less than that, it's, it's like it's got to be on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour sort of decision-making basis on how, on, on how that stadium even opens, let alone how it opens for, for anybody to see a game there. All right, as we say goodbye, and again, we're talking greed versus uh, humanity, greed versus health. Absolutely um, is what it is. Uh, no people at SoFi, uh, no people at the new uh, uh, stadium in Las Vegas, uh, no people in 90-something percent of uh, – NFL stadiums, except, of course, in the state of Texas, and except, of course, Jerry Jones says, yes, he's going to have fans. Tom Holforth, I'd love your comments. <laughs> the guy runs his own league, I guess, right? I mean, what is he, starting the XFL? What, I mean, this is, when you've got a rebel owner like that who's in the, in the state, that that seems to be what people want to hear. I think, of course, you say that until it actually comes, you know, push comes to shove. So I, to me, it's just a bunch of hot air until I actually see it. I mean, that's, well, I, that's all the credibility I want to give it at this point. All right, I spent uh, 20 bucks uh, on Lindy and Athlon. Uh, uh, in fact, 30 bucks of college football and uh, two NFL 
uh, magazines uh, a month ago, and I knew going in I'd be wasting my money. We already <laughs> okay. We already know obviously the Big Ten and the Pac-12 aren't playing, and I don't think anybody's going to be playing. And Tom's not 100% sure one way or the other. What about the National Football League? Did I waste my Athlon and did I waste my Lindy's? Do you think we'll actually play? Do you think kickoff will actually take place come September in the NFL? I could see the NFL moving to a spring league just because they can't give up that money and because after January, you know, maybe things will calm down. I could see them delaying schedules weeks at a time and just saying we're going to slow this on the back end until you get past Christmas. I mean, why not? I mean, we've, we've played professional spring football in the past, you know, and, and so you have to move things a little bit. But I think fans are so intent on watching the NFL, they're, they'd be willing to wait for it. If the league said, yeah, we're going to still do it, we're just going to do it after the first year, which is what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten is kind of saying about football. You know, we can play it starting in January. But, it, again, you know, it's, it's based on what we do as people between now and then. And so we kind of hold all the cards here. So we can't whine about not having football at the same time we're going outside with no mask and infecting people. So you can't have it both ways. And until some of the people learn that, it, which sadly they're learning it the hard way, I, I, I don't. I don't give a lot of credence in, in trusting people against the stupidity that they seem to be exerting in this, in this world where it's pretty easy to just shut things down if you think about everyone else. But when you're thinking about yourself, you know, it's, it seems like it's, uh, it's whatever you feel like doing, and that's not going to work for anybody. So you just said thinking about only yourself. Based on that, I have to ask you one more question. <laughs> Folks, this isn't sports necessarily. Uh, 80-something days until... Uh, the uh, election, if we do have the election November 3, if the Lysol King told you tomorrow, told us tomorrow, that uh, there was a uh, vaccine, would Tom Hofarth be the front of the line? No. I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, even if the Russian president decided they're going to start passing out a vaccine that isn't thoroughly tested, I'm waiting for that second shoe to drop where, where you know, the curtain president says, well, they're doing it in Russia. Why shouldn't they be doing it here? I mean, they, they make decisions for us now anyway, so why wouldn't we be testing it out here? It's, just, it, it's, it's comical and sad at the same time. It's like this tragedy we're watching play out. And, I mean, it's a desperate move if he announces that there's a vaccine that people – I mean, obviously they're testing it with placebos and the way you're supposed to test things. But um, if, if, if there's an announcement – that has to do with the election in general. It can't come from him anyway. So I, I, I take anything 110% what he says and just sort of, you know, I acknowledge it, but I do not, I take no credence in it because it's based in only uh, self-serving measures. So, um, and that's what he's trying to do as well with sports. They make it a self-serving thing. I mean, I've never seen a guy golf as much as he does. He, this guy must have a, a 50 you know, shoot rounds of 50 every week because of how much golf he plays. And that's incredible. He should start his own tour. Maybe he will. You remember uh, who he was attacking uh, before the election began for uh, his golf? And I think the numbers are something like 10 to 1 uh, uh, as far as the days and the amount of money spent. He does not understand the word hypocritical. Uh, that's for, and he can't spell it, no question. No, about not that. for sure, no. Uh, Tom, how far? Stay well. Don't take your Lysol. No kids go to school. Uh, Scott, thank you for putting the show together because Fred's incompetent on the computer, can't even do a podcast. We'll see you next week on Believe Sports Business Sports Media. Stay well, Tom Holforth. You too, Fred. Bye, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.